you. This is Cruise Radio Rewind. Real reviews from real cruisers. Welcome to this weekend's episode of Cruise Radio Rewind. My name is Doug Parker. Thank you so much for making us a part of your day. Happy to have you here. Continuing our series on, I guess we'll call them cruise personalities. I don't want to say movers and shakers. That seems so like egotistical. But people who have made an impact within the cruise industry over the past years. And today's guest is Bill Panoff. He's the editor-in-chief of Porthole Cruise Magazine. But he has an interesting past because he started out in the entertainment department on a Carnival cruise ship. And he now has the largest cruise magazine in the world. I'm telling you that because he's too humble to say it. And he joins us on the line right now. Hey, Bill. Hi, Doug. How are you? Question before we get started here. When did you first get into the cruise industry? What year was it? You know, I, I, it was 1984 was the first time I stepped foot on a cruise ship. And back then I had hair, of course. And, I was, <laughs> you know, I was, I was in my mid-20s. And, uh, yeah, that was my first experience working on a cruise ship. It was uh, the TSS Carnival, which was owned by Car- Carnival mm-hmm. Cruise Lines back then. This is what fascinates me. Like, what made you want to become a cruise ship entertainer? So, for many, many years, I had a, I had a love for magic, and uh, I developed an act, and I used to perform at, you know, parties and, and associations and, and gatherings, you know, in the States. But I always wanted to take the, the act on the road, and there was a show on television during those years called The Love Boat, mm-hmm. and I just gained such a fascination to working on board a cruise ship from that show. So I started calling cruise lines and saying, hey, you know, I have a magic act. I love to perform on your ship. And the only cruise line that actually called me back was Carnival Cruise Lines. So as a result of that, I worked on board ships for, oh my goodness, a total of 13 years. The first couple of years, I was just a magician. And then years later, they promoted me to cruise director. And I just, I fell in love with the life at sea and I never really wanted to leave it. You clearly had a love for cruising. So what do you remember most about your first contract on a cruise ship? I remember the camaraderie among the crew was just, it was almost like a surrogate family. You know, I I would meet these total strangers from uh, Korea, Honduras, Jamaica, all of it was like the United Nations at sea. And they all became our my best friends in the, after the first month. So the, the, the friendships that I made in the beginning, some of them I even still have today. That's the one thing that really stands out in my mind. And then the memories that we were able to make for the for the cruise guests who would who would sail on board these ships, you know, the way we affected their their holiday and made them, you know, want to cruise over and over again. And they did. Yeah, that's that's wild, man. So you were mentioning you were kind of had this traveling magic show. Did you basically take what you were doing on land and do it on board the ship like the same show? Pretty much. I didn't have actually between you and me. I didn't have much of a show. Mm-hmm. Um, I was the magician that was on stage and I would constantly fumble, you know, the tricks would never really execute. And as a result uh-huh. of that, people would laugh. So I just capitalized <laughs> on my uh, inabilities to perform and people, you know, they, they really enjoy the act. And, and as a crew, as a, um, as a magician on board the ships, apart from that, we were also part of the cruise staff. So I had a chance to mingle with these guests during the day. So they knew who I was mm-hmm. before I stepped foot on stage. So I think they were applauding for me. For that reason, because they knew me and they met me uh, uh, more so than <laughs> my magic act. <laughs> I, I'm curious, what surprised you the most when you stepped on the ship in 1984? Because we're talking like, what, 36 years ago at this point? Uh, what surprised me most is that the, the, the ships were not obviously as sophisticated as they are today. They didn't have the, the variety of entertainment. They didn't have all the offerings that the ships, the modern day ships have. But people had just as much fun if not more back then, 
because the experience that a cruise guest has by meeting, uh, you know, a crew member or an officer or someone on board the ship, um, it just really molds their their vacation and makes them, you know, want to come back over and over again. It's just that human touch that you have with the waiter or the busboy or whoever it is on board the ship that becomes your friend by the end of the week and you share these tears with these people and you don't want to walk off the ship and as a result of that, you know, even back then, there was such a high repeat rate of uh, cruisers that would come over and over again on these ships uh, because they had not only a great experience in the ports, but they really loved the people that they met on board. Very random question here, Bill, but when did like the key cards come into play to open stateroom doors? I mean, in 1984, were you using a regular key still? Oh, yeah, yeah. Just typical keys. Yeah, everything mm-hmm. was, uh, like I said, it was very sophisticated. It was a key. There was no, you know technology really to speak of i mean obviously there were there were tvs in the rooms but uh not much more beyond that i mean to communicate with the outside world you know you have to use uh, a telex machine mm-hmm. you know on board if you go to the radio room um it was very unsophisticated but people you know again had a great time it was just that human touch i think and the people they meet on board that created those memories that became everlasting a step further, when did like the sign and sale cards come into play? Like, how did you spend money on board back then? I think at that time, if I remember correctly, it was more cash. It was more okay. cash uh, basis. Uh, the credit cards and things like that came uh, a little bit further along. Well, your love for cruising has led you from a magician to a cruise director to having the world's largest cruise magazine right now. How did you get from on board to where you are now? Yeah, so I, I worked on the ships. I said a total of 12, 13 years. And during the you know, 11th or 12th years, I started to get a little itchy. I mean, I loved the life at sea, but you know, all my friends were on land. They were having families and having kids. And so I wanted to establish myself on land, but I wanted to do something that wouldn't disconnect me from the cruise industry. So that is, as a result of that, I, I noticed on board the ships and during that time, there was no magazine or anything to speak of the cruise experience. And cruising was growing dramatically. So I surrounded myself with people that knew publishing. Um, and I put together a, a publication at that time, which was called Porthole, same name. But at that time, it was a, a business-to-business publication. It wasn't a consumer magazine. Mm-hmm. It was black and white. I still have the first original issue. and uh, But soon after, it became a little bit more sophisticated. We started to put color into it. And we started to sell advertising into it. And it became a real cruise consumer publication. I didn't know a lot about publishing. The people around me did. Uh, I was able to sell the advertising because I had some contacts there. But uh, because of the um, the void in the uh, in the marketplace, there was nothing to reach the consumer with the information about cruising and the market was growing. So the timing was quite good and it gave me an opportunity to stay connected to the industry, which I love. This is so fascinating to me because you had this idea and you turned it into a reality. Did you bootstrap or did you get investors? No, it's just just an idea I had. You know, I, I, I saw that there was a void in the marketplace and just uh, there was a lot of luck, a lot of perseverance. I mean, to sell advertising in a publication that never existed was a bit of a challenge. Right, but, exactly. Uh, once once the first issue was out there and people caught on, it uh, it uh, it gained its file following very quickly. That is so awesome, man. So uh, through the years, you've sailed on a lot of ships. I know it's like asking what's your favorite kid, but do you have a favorite ship and why, if you even have one at all? I, I mean, every ship has its own personality. That's a difficult question. Uh, I think regions of the world where you cruise, I think I could say are my favorites over others. But every ship has a personality. Every time I cruise, I come away from that particular ship with something that's completely different than another ship. So 
I, I love them all. They're all my children. <laughs> what are two changes you've noticed in the past 36 years? Maybe give us one for the good and one for the, uh, I wish things were still the same. Well, when, what has changed over the years? I mean, the guests, the cruise guests have become more sophisticated and more demanding in terms of, you know, staying connected on board the ships. Uh, the variety of entertainment is very sophisticated only to be, uh, you know, compared with Vegas shows, for example. I mean, when I was on a ship, it was four singers and a piano player. Uh, but now you have, you know, sophisticated entertainment on board that rivals that anywhere in the world, you know, Cirque du Soleil shows on board. Um, I think what remained constant between the small ships and the large ships is again, an interaction uh, with the guests. I do think that it's, there's more technology being used now. So you don't get all that FaceTime that you would have years ago on the smaller ships that you have today. I think that's one thing that I miss, you know, going on a larger ship, getting to know the cruise director and the hotel manager and mm -hmm. the captain after the first night, I think that's very difficult to do on a ship that has four or 5,000 guests. Within the past couple of decades, there's been this paradigm shift within the cruise industry, right? I mean, it used to be, what do they say, the overfed and nearly dead, or maybe it's newlywed, something like that. But now from eight to 80, you're cruising, you know, high school, senior trips and stuff. How do you think the word spreads so quickly? I think, uh, I think my word of mouth, number one, I think that the cruise lines were very uh, clever in terms of marketing to a younger demographic and offering things on board, you know, that, that appeal to the younger, younger demographic. Of course, the older clientele are, are always there and they love cruise, but, you know, to convert the, the younger generation to cruise, first of all, like Virgin Cruises, for example, has come out with a ship that is very hip and very mm -hmm. cool that will attract that demographic. Uh, Carnival, Royal Caribbean, Norwegian, all have offerings on board that are very uh, keened in to, uh, you know, to hit that de demographic. So I think the cruise lines have been very um, careful and, and, and strategic in terms of reaching out to a younger demographic. And it's a very affordable vacation. I mean, where else can you go where the scenery changes constantly, your food's included, your entertainment's included? I mean, it's, a, it's an amazing, no affordable vacation like it anywhere in the world. And has it always been affordable, though? In 1984, could anyone afford to cruise or was it a little pricier? I think uh, back then the prices were a little bit higher, mm -hmm. but as the ships got larger, obviously they were able to lower the prices a little bit. Yeah. Um, but it was a little bit more expensive back then. But even so, with everything being included, it was still a very affordable vacation compared to some other land-based options. Did you ever get to meet Kathy Lee Gifford with all your time on Carnival ships? I did. I met did Kathy you? Lee uh, many, many times, actually. She would come on board and, and film the commercials for Carnival on board the ship. You know, we've got the fun. Uh -huh. which, was the, which was the slogan or logo back then. <laughs> That's awesome. I want to yeah. shift gears here. Uh, for a lot of us, the cruise industry shutdown has pretty much, I mean, it's surreal, really. Um, what's your take on it? It's, uh, it's, it's really um, quite uh, disturbing what has happened to the cruise industry. Um, for the passengers that want to cruise, it, uh, the good thing is it's created such a pent-up demand that when the ships do come back, uh, there's no doubt that the ships are going to be full because people love to cruise. There is such a loyalty to this experience. And I think when they do come back, uh, people are going to be standing in line trying to get on these ships. Um, what has happened to the cruise lines and to travel in general is very, very uh, disturbing. But I think the cruise lines are doing everything possible to work very closely with the CDC to come up with measures that will create a very safe environment going forward. I'm in no rush to return. Well, I am, but I'm not. I mean, you think about it. You want things to be in place, but you also don't want to return too fast because once it goes away again, if it does, it's not coming back. You know, they keep pushing it back like every 30 days. When they are 100% safe for, for the cruise guests, not before. A lot of the smaller cruise lines out there are saying 
oh, our ships are smaller, we're safer, but that's not necessarily the case because you're also actually closer too. Yeah, um, you would think, and then the, 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 the more confined environment with less people mm-hmm. would be more controllable, but right. uh, from what we're seeing over this past week, that's not the case. Yeah, there's there's a lot of talk of how cruising will change, at least you know, like MSC recently said that when their ship starts sailing, only med passengers can come on the ship and the ports of call uh, where excursions are being offered, the excursions are going to be controlled by the cruise line. And it seems almost inevitable that people are going to have to wear masks in some of the public areas unless things change pretty drastically. What's your take on what you're hearing from both cruise lines and cruise fans? I did hear the same about the shore excursions, that if you want to take a tour in some of the ports so the uh, environment is sure is also COVID-free, the cruise lines are going to offer these COVID-approved you know, tours that they, they control from A to Z to make sure that the cruise guest uh, you know, is not exposed. I think the same thing is going to happen with beach tours. If they want to go to the beach, uh, they prefer they go in a tour uh, so they can try to keep that environment uh, as safe as possible. I've been wondering if this is going to, like if you think of Nassau or Ocho Rios, Cozumel, is this going to kill off the small business, though, and make it where only the strong are going to survive because the cruise lines are only going to team up with certain partners? I think the cruise lines have been conscious to team up with whoever offers a a quality product, whether it's a large company or a small company. Mm -hmm. I think there'll be enough for everybody to, uh, to eat at the table at the end of the day. Yeah. Well, Bill, what's next for you in Porthole Cruise Magazine? We are uh, spending a lot of time on uh, porthole.com, which is our, our website where we up-to-date cruise information you know, multiple times during the day uh, with videos and you know fresh content. So we're putting a lot of effort there. We're continuing to publish Porthole Magazine, although the next issue is going to be all digital. So it'll have even greater reach and uh, people can share stories with one another. And we're just, uh, you know, we're on pause and we're cautiously optimistic about the future and we will be here and we hope to be on the first ship in North America that returns uh, to cruising. I I miss it very, very much. Before we go, I want to give you a chance to plug Cruise Control, I believe it's called. If I butchered it, please correct me. But you have some great information on YouTube as well. Cruise Control is a a series of videos that we produce during the the year uh, that revolve around cruising. It could be an interview with the CEO of Norwegian or Carnival, or it could be an interview with some of the tourist board uh, directors and just try to keep people up to date. It's a YouTube channel called Cruise Control with Bill Panoff, and I invite you all to uh, to subscribe. I know Porthole Cruise Magazine is making more of a digital push right now in this day and age. I'm going to be straight up and say I don't read a lot of magazines online because I'm in the studio all day, but how could I access that? We have a, a Porthole app, which you can access through uh, the App Store. Uh, you can also go to porthole.com and subscribe and download the content there as well. And uh, it's also on Press Reader, which is another uh, format that we distribute the magazine on. Very good. We've been talking with the editor-in-chief of Porthole Cruise Magazine, Mr. Bill Panoff. Bill, look forward to seeing you again real soon, my friend. Doug, look forward to seeing you on one of the many ships so we can uh, we can have a toast and, uh, you know, toast about the future of cruising. And I know it's going to be uh, all positive. So I really appreciate the opportunity. And uh, if any of your listeners want to learn more, go to porthole.com. And if you'd like to check out a digital copy of Porthole Cruise Magazine, I'll put a link in the show notes where you're listening to this podcast. You'll also find it at cruiseradio.net. And that'll do it. Looking forward to my two-week trip out to Yellowstone National Park. I'm leaving on Saturday, so it's going to be a fun time out there. 35 hours with the camper. 
never done a road trip that long before, usually flying out west for two, three, or four hours. So, uh, you know, going to be fun. But regardless, we'll talk to you on Thursday. Stay safe, protect yourselves and your neighbors. Take care. During these difficult times for the travel industry, Cruise Radio stands behind the men and women who work so hard to bring our vacation dreams to life. From the captains and crew to travel agents, tour operators, vendors, and port employees, we offer a sincere thank you on behalf of the thousands of guests whose lives you impact each and every day. 